If you've listened to The Unlovely Truth before, you know that I became an investigator because of a case that I was following that really made me think, what if that was my child? We're going to talk to a mom today where it was her child, and we're going to see if we can give her some support, some help, and maybe even find someone who knows something. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Unlovely Truth. I'm your host, private investigator Lori Morrison. And I'm bringing you another story from the world of true crime, and then we'll see where it intersects with our faith. I hope you will be inspired to join forces to answer what I think is everybody's calling, and that's to be a different kind of PI, a person of impact. We'll learn one practical way to do that after we dive into today's case. This is Season 3, Episode 31. And with us this week is the mother of Aaron Keith. Aaron's death was officially ruled a suicide, but his family still has a lot of questions that they would like to have answered. Aaron Shane Key was 41 years old when he died on April 5th, 2019. Authorities quickly determined his death to be a suicide by hanging. His mother believed what police and the medical examiner told her at first. But then when one person and another and even more and more people told her that her son's death was definitely not a suicide, she decided she'd have to be the one to push for answers. I wish I could say that she is the only grieving mother that I know who's fighting what they believe is an incorrect determination of how their child died. Unfortunately, I've seen a lot of cases that are so similar. Back in 2020, the district attorney in the jurisdiction where Aaron died sent a letter to the local sheriff requesting that Aaron's file be closed. But he did indicate that should new evidence come to light, the case could be reopened. That's what we want. I read Aaron's autopsy report, and I've spoken with other investigators who've also done that. And we all felt like it really raised more questions than it answered. Certainly, to my mind, it raised enough questions to warrant further investigation. Aaron's official cause of death is listed as hanging, and the manner of death is listed as suicide. But that same report also notes severe trauma to Aaron's face, consistent with dog activity at the scene. That was a red flag for me as an investigator. It troubled me for a couple of different reasons. Why isn't it listed as animal activity? Why does the medical examiner specifically mention dogs? Unless he was told that by responding officers. He should be making an independent assessment of what happened not relying on something someone else told him. And I have seen that happen with other autopsies, and it is a big problem. It skews independent thinking. The second problem with that is, and I don't know if the medical examiner knew this or not, but the dogs that were on the scene were two-week-old puppies. Now, we've all cuddled little tiny puppies before. All they want to do is suck on your finger. They cannot cause the kind of trauma that Aaron had to his face and his ear. It's also worth noting that Aaron was a big guy, nearly 6'3", well over 200 pounds. But the autopsy report notes only minor marks on his neck and no hemorrhaging or other injuries to his neck. How is that possible with a suicide by hanging? Aside from medical evidence, there's other inconsistencies about things like what Aaron was wearing when he was found versus what he was last seen wearing. I've put a ton of links for you in the show notes so you can learn more about Aaron's case. 
It's been on YouTube. Other podcasts have covered it. There have been news stories about it. I want you to look at what's out there and try to really discern what's fact versus what is just someone's opinion. I want you to sort through all that and see what you think. What we're going to focus on today is how Aaron's death affected and still affects his entire family. I want you all to hear how Aaron's amazing mother has expanded her search for more information about her son's death into helping dozens of other families who are experiencing the same frustrations that she is. We never think anything like this could happen to us until it does. Hey, I want to thank you again for listening. Please check out the show notes. Look at those links for where you can connect with my guests and show them that you support them. You can also see ways to support the work of the podcast so that I can continue to bring you stories like Aaron's and we can all together make a difference for his family. Let's check in now with Aaron's mom. First of all, I want to say I'm so sorry for your loss and I'm so, so thankful that you're willing to share some of what you've been through for us. Because I think a lot of people don't realize when a loved one has been taken from us, we don't always get the full story necessarily. Sometimes we have to fight for it. But before we get into what all you've had to do, tell me first a little bit more about Aaron, what he was like as a kid and what kind of relationship you two had. Well, when he was first born, bless his little heart, he wasn't the prettiest little fellow in the world. But when he was about five, six months old, he looked like a baby out of one of the magazines. Just blonde, curly hair, big blue eyes. He'd done everything early. He started walking around stuff when he was about six months old. Dead run at seven and a half months old. And mischievous. He loved his older brother. Aaron's real family-oriented. He great ball player. Me and him played ball together. The only thing I couldn't teach him with basketball was how to use his left hand. But he was tall enough he didn't need it. <laughs> uh, he was a good kid. He had good grades. Loyal to his family. You don't see many that love as deep as he did. He loved God. And he would not watch anybody pick on somebody else. He couldn't stand it. Kids draw to him. It was like a magnet. He just loved them and they loved him. Had a heart of gold. Give you the shirt off his back and do without himself. And me and him were just alike. If I'm right, I'll stand my ground, even if I got to stand alone. And that's the way he was. After he died, you actually had to gather evidence that the police didn't gather. What all do you have? What did they leave behind? <laughs> they left a lot of little things that laying around the scene that we had pictures of that I didn't know what they were right offhand until an ex-county cop called me and let me know. There was a makeshift funnel, liquor bottle, his hat. He had a nice bandage he had to always wear on his left foot. He was in a real bad car wreck. Vanderbilt tried everything, but it never would heal. It just never would heal. And... That ace bandage was laid on the floor of the barn. He had on a brand new real tree hat when his dad dropped him off. And I have it. It's soaked in blood. Oh, let me see. I'm, I'm, I'm slipping. But the rope is the, 
the rope and the hat were the big things. And the liquor bottle that was there. Now, Aaron drank just, he drank. And he had done drugs. Aaron wasn't a choir boy. But uh, drugs never gave him what he was looking for. And he had come where, come to a point where he didn't drink too long. He'd sip. He didn't drink to get drunk anymore. I know that you have dedicated a Facebook page to Aaron's case. Um, just telling the world what you believe happened, which is quite a bit different from the official word on what happened. What impresses me so much about what you've done is you have another page that's dedicated to helping other families get answers. And there'll be links to both of those in the show notes. But were you shocked at how many families were going through something like what you're going through? I I was dumbfounded. I figured out, you know, they'd be three, four, maybe five cases show up just to, you know, show something was wrong. In two weeks, there's 20 cases in there. Yes, the the billboard, that was another one. And goodness, they hate that billboard worse than anything. (laughs) We've got a link to that in the show notes so people can, can check out, get more information there. I think that most people would really be shocked to know that once you do go public, you've got things out on Facebook, you're trying to find these answers. A lot of people will support you, but there will also be people that come along to just kind of troll you, to say cruel things, to take advantage of you. I know you've been through some of that, and I'm sure you've got stories of that from other people that you're helping. Tell us some of the things that people are actually willing to do to grieving family members. I just want people who are listening to understand that the death of your family member is hard enough, but your trauma continues. Yes, it does. Well, it compounds the hurt. It makes you lose faith in other human beings. The biggest thing with Aaron's case, not one time has anybody involved in the case come public and said that I was wrong. Not one of them. But the big problem I run into was, believe it or not, psychics. Well, I'll come and tell you how this it is, where the evidence is you need, and wanting six, $700. I mean, we had to finance his funeral. I have said this before on, on other podcasts that I don't get political as in, I'm not going to tell you who to vote for or which party. I don't do any of that. But I always tell people, know who the candidates are, research where they stand on issues, research what they've done in the past, and make sure you vote for somebody that reflects your values. People have got so busy. They sit behind those closed doors. They don't see what's really going on out there in the world. And they're afraid to ask questions to rock the boat. But, you know, you sit behind that door long enough. When it gets bad enough, they come in through the door after you. And You make an amazing point that as a community, we have to accept some responsibility yes, for our community's safety and the safety of the people in it. We have to be more active. Yes. You know, and up there right now, it's to the point. It's not if it's going to knock on your door. It's when it's going to knock on your door. Let's think about what the Mars kids have got to face, the grandkids, you know. If something isn't done now, 
than those kids. I hate to even imagine what they go through. You know, we're our brother's keepers and uh, we have to take care of each other. There needs to be the sense of community that there was 30, 40 years ago. I believe, you know, greed and want to have nice things and all that has took precedence over teaching the children about God and love for your country and love for your neighbor. Oh, that's so well said. I love that. We've got to get back to the basics, you know, because now my thing is I've had nice cars, all of it. There is nothing we acquire here on earth that we can take to the hereafter but love. And that's all we can leave behind. You know, spend time with your families, teach them to love God and respect each other. I got one more question for you. Okay. As an investigator, I firmly believe that most cases are solvable because someone knows exactly what happened. So if that someone in Aaron's case is listening, they might be afraid to say something. I understand that. What would you say to them? Oh, well, first, you know, Aaron didn't deserve what he got. And I'm a firm believer in, you know, right's right and wrong's wrong. It don't matter who's doing it. But for any of them that know anything about any of the cases, stop, sit down, look at your children, look at your grandchildren, and think, what if this had been their child? They would expect us to come forward. You know, you only get in this world as good as you give. And, and I believe in minding your own business. But there's a time when you have to stand and do what's right. Even if you're by yourself, I would never let anyone sit and go through what we have. I have to look at Aaron on the embalming room table. I didn't recognize him. You know, when I went in there, I went with the expectations of seeing rope marks around his neck. Other than that, I figured, you know, that was what I figured I would see. When I looked, I didn't even know him. He was tore up so bad. But Aaron, how I identified him, his right wrist was broke. He had a tattoo of a star on his ring finger on his left hand. His hand was laying on top of the sheet. That's how I knew him. I know this has been really difficult for you. And I so appreciate you being willing to share because I know that part of it is to get answers for yourself. But I know that in your heart, you are you're taking what you've gone through and you're using it to help others, too. And I so admire that. And I so thank you for joining us today. There's strength in numbers. You know, all I wanted was his cause of death changed. And I mean, it's obvious he was killed, but I realized that a lot of times there's never no arrest in cases. But uh, I wanted his name cleared for his kids. Those children deserve that. And I have had people telling me, you know, hey, they wanted a photo of me. 60-year-old woman, new. They wanted a photo. And when I wouldn't go for the money they offered, they uh, asked told me, said, well, you want to know whose toes he stepped on? 
I've been through stuff like that. This person, whoever he is, hounded me for neighborhood of 10 days, talked about taking my grandchildren's lives and putting them in the hole with him. You know, I've been through the grind. You know, it's hell losing a child. If there is a hell on earth, I've been walking it. I walked through hell to help the rest of these people because they all deserve answers. I appreciate you taking time and getting Aaron's story out there. Everybody, please share it. We've got GoFundMe accounts to try to keep our billboard up. I'd raise money for a second autopsy, but uh, haven't had too much luck. Now, a lot of people don't believe in it, but I believe it's all going to end up being the only real way to get the answers. And I appreciate you so much. Sorry, I got emotional. Oh, of course you did. That's totally understandable. And I'm, again, so appreciative that you shared Aaron's story, the story of what you've gone through since his death. And yes, you're right. Everybody, please share this episode. Check out the links in the show notes and see if we can get some justice for families who so desperately need it. The Bible verse I want to talk about today is one that we've done before, but it is so relevant to what we're talking about today that I just felt like we needed to look at it again. It's Leviticus 5.1, and I'm reading from the Holman Christian Standard Bible translation. When someone sins in any of these ways, if he has seen, heard, or known about something he has witnessed and did not respond to a public call to testify, he is responsible for his sin. Now, I don't read that so that we can call anybody out or make anybody feel bad. But I want you to know you've heard that public call to tell what you know. And that can be scary. I get that. If you're worried about your own safety or the safety of someone else, depending on what it is you have to say, you can contact me, Lori, L-O-R-I, at theunlovelytruth.com. Give me a DM on Facebook or Instagram. There's also anonymous numbers. Crime Stopper numbers in every state where you can give information and they will get it to the proper authorities. But if you know what happened, please help these families out. Help your community be safer by bringing wrongdoers to justice. Now, our practical action step, since obviously we're not all going to have information on an unsolved case, it's to support these families that are still struggling to find answers. All you have to do is Google unsolved murders, and then whatever state you live in, find one that has some relevance to you. Maybe the person is around your age or maybe they're from your hometown. Pick one and then go to Facebook and see if the family has put up a who killed and then whatever the victim's name is. Just go on there and put a message of support. You wouldn't believe the horrible things these people have said to them on Facebook, on other social media platforms. They need to know that there are people out there who really do support them and want their case solved. And if you liked today's episode, be sure to check out some earlier ones. We've got plenty of cases that need someone to come forward. And we've got cases where I had amazing guests who gave me fantastic information that you're absolutely not going to want to miss. And if you share the episode with a friend, you can help them begin their journey as a different kind of PI, a person of impact. The Unlovely Truth is written and produced by me, Lori Morrison. Music is by Neocortex, and the artwork is by Shelby Highland. 
See you all next time. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app. 